B'shem Hashem Na'asem Na'asem We're recording Le'ilud Nishmat, my father. Shomachayim ben David. Hareni Kaparat Mishkavor Ruach Hashem Tenechinu Vigan Eden. This topic amongst my students was very, they're very excited. We want to talk about the concept of marriage. Is there a specific precedence to marry the daughter of a rabbi or a great Torah scholar? Who should, which families should you run after and seek their hand in marriage? So it's a, we're just going to rush right into it. And also we want to say which characteristics according to the Torah and the words of a chazal are some things that are lofty and we should run after them and people that possess those characteristics are good soulmates and which things are red flags that if you, the person when you're dating them or when you do research has these attributes you should run away like running away from poison and fire so let's move into it it's a fascinating Gemara I really beg all of you to go take a look at it the Gemara says very clearly that the um, Pesachim page 49 side 2 Memtet Amut Bet it says Tanu Rabbanan Le'olam yim kol adam kol ma she'esh lo ve'iseh ba talmid chacham always you should always be vigilant to sell everything you own in order to marry the daughter of a Torah scholar now let's say you don't have access to one or they won't give your hand in one, you get rejected, which sometimes unfortunately happens. So go, who should you go after in the second category? You should go after the daughters of the Gedolei Hador. This doesn't literally mean the daughter of Rav Chaim Kajanevsky or the Gedolei Hador. What it means here in this contest, Rashi says, is that you should go marry the daughter of Sadikim and people that do great deeds. They're very generous. For example, Philanthropists, they give a lot of charity or they, you know, volunteer and do tremendous work, uh, deeds of mitzvah. If you can't find one of those, then you should go marry the daughter of the president of the synagogue. And I think probably the reason here is that you see he's a person that's willing to take leadership and uh, he's selfless rather than selfish. If you can't find those, go marry the daughter of the Gabay Sedaqah. Right? Because it's a tremendous, tremendous mitzvah. Some Jews trying to collect money from them is pulling teeth. So somebody that has the patience to actually go ahead and collect funds for the poor and the synagogue and the yeshivot, this is very lofty and wonderful. And those come in next, as in these levels of who you should run after. And if you can't find one of those, then you should go marry the daughter of people that teach Torah to young kids, like people that teach the kids the Aleph bed. But definitely the Gemara is very adamant that you should not marry the daughter of an ignorant, ignoramus Jew. Because doing so is disgusting and despicable and it's the Gemara here goes on a whole tangent of how shameful and terrible it is to be somebody that's Am Haaretz, somebody that's a ignoramus, ignorant Jew. So it's very interesting, moving right into it, that this halacha is not something theoretical. The Rambam, if you look in 
Hilchot Isure Biyah is very clear. Look at the Ein Mishpat. The Rambam says that this is actually Jewish law. Not like some parts of the Talmud, which is just, you know, theoretical, but this is actually something that we should pursue in a very practical matter. And the Shulchan Aruch, right in the beginning of Evan Ha'ezer, the section of Halacha that talks about um, all the laws between men and women, men and women, it also, word for word, says that you should go ahead and marry the daughter, sell everything, make any sacrifice, as long as you should marry the daughter of a Torah scholar. Now it's very important to know, going back to the Gemara, why is it so important? Because the Gemara says, if God forbid you die, if your, if your wife is an ignorant Jew, then your children, which is, right, the children have a power, even the, if the father is in hell, God forbid, through saying Kaddish and learning Mishnah and Torah, to elevate the soul. But if your kids are totally non-observant and not with it, so it's very detrimental to your future in both this world and the next world. So the greatness of the Torah, the daughter of the Torah scholar is, that since her father is a Torah scholar, she knows all the ins and outs and how important and monumental and grand and fundamental it is to learn Torah. So even if you, God forbid, uh, are not in the world, she would raise your children in the path of Torah and make sure that they are observant and upstanding and God-fearing Jews. Now, there's another very important Gemara that has to do with this. If you look in the Gemara da Ketubot, Daf Kuf Yud Aleph, page 111-111, again the Gemara there says that it's a tremendous mitzvah, the Rambam actually passes this mitzvah. If you look in the Rambam, it's the sixth mitzvah. This is, when I learned this Gemara many years ago, I was shocked. It's one of the 613 commandments to be attached to God. Now how practically do you do this, the Gemara in Ketubot says. The Gemara says, but God is like fire. How could you attach yourself to fire? So the Gemara says, if you, as much as possible, are in contact with Torah scholars and righteous people, through them you attach yourself to God, right? So the Gemara says that, um, again, the Gemara here says the same idea, that if you have your daughter marry a Talmid Chacham, or... You marry the daughter of a Talmid Chacham and you invite the Talmid Chacham into your house. You be his host, right? And you do business with him. So, just like it says, The Gemara says, now that the temple is destroyed, where is the Shekhinah? In the four Amot, in the few four cubic um feet of halakha. So since the Talmud Chacham is an expert in Jewish law, that's where the Shekhinah is. So some people think the people that were in the Litvish yeshivas that this idea of constantly being around Chachamim and Sadiqim is a Hasidish thing. No, it's one of the 613 commandments and it's so such an important commandment that the Rambam brings it in the top 10 commandments. Right? He brings it as this number six. So again, we have two Gemaras that are saying the same idea. That is a tremendous mitzvah to 
marry the daughter of righteous Torah scholars, because that way you're connecting to God. So, Ravavadia Yosef, oh, I just want to bring out a very, very important thing. The chief rabbi of Jerusalem, which I had the honor of being with on many occasions, he's my sister's neighbor, Rav Moshe Sternbach in Sha'alotu Teshuvot, Teshuvot Vahanagot, Chelek Gimel, Volume 3, Siman. Shin Peitet brings a beautiful thing from the Chazonish. The Chazonish says, you have to know, like let's say 50 years ago, there were no very few, the Torah after the Holocaust, 50, 60, 70 years ago, was very weak. There wasn't many daughters of Talmidei Chachamim per se. But the Chazonish says a beautiful thing. He says, any girl that went to base Yaakov, and not only that she went to base Yaakov and it went in one ear, got, but out the other, but she's actually very observant herself, can be considered what? The daughter of a Talmid Chacham. And he brings over there that Rav Dessler, the great Jewish thinker, the Mashkiach Hapanovich, also would say that the, the same way that we, we, we look at a boy to be a Ben Torah, right? A person that is always acting like a yeshiva man and somebody that is part of the Torah world. There's an idea, Rav Dessler says, of a Bat Torah. A girl that's really so modest and knowledgeable in halacha, and as long as she meets that, meets that criterion, the Chazonish says that we can consider her the daughter of a Talmid Chacham. Why? Because what does the Gemara say? Why is the daughter of a Talmid Chacham so important? Because she's going to raise your children in the right way. So this girl obviously is so observant and she went many years to seminary and to Beis Yaakov. If God forbid you're not in the world, she would also continue to um, educate and raise your kids in the path of Torah and fear of God. So parenthetically, we're going to do a review at the end of the class, but I just wanted to bring out that the Chazonish also says something very important for the men. He says the most red flag that you should be careful on the lookout is a woman that's stubborn. Because um, a woman that God forbid is stubborn, it's going to be a very, very difficult life. Some people, it's either my way or the highway. And a woman that's tough like that and stubborn, the Chazonish says that this is something that is very, very dangerous and not recommended to go near anybody like that. A hard-headed person. Now on this topic, Rav Ovadia Yosef, to clear up any misconception, in volume 4 of Yechavadat, chapter 61, Samech Aleph, he, he says that you should know. The great Ramah that wrote the commentary on the Shulchan Aruch says that there's no such thing as the laws of Talmid Chacham nowadays. Because if you know, there's a, it is a great, great honor and privilege which comes with many fringe benefits being a Torah scholar. Like in the time of the Talmud, you wouldn't have to pay the community tax and they would be put up on a pedestal and get very special privileges. The Ramah says that in Monetary law, that doesn't exist. So Rav Avadia brings from the great 
Rav Chaim Yosef David Azulai, that that is not the case for this halacha. You understand? If, if, if in the time of, if the Ramah is saying that for monetary laws, like for example, somebody that embarrasses him or he, he could take away lutra, shelzav, but the chidah brings, so the Chidah says, don't think for a second and let that Ramah mislead you that there's no such thing as a Talmud Chacham nowadays. Yes, this law that you should sell everything and go marry the daughter of a Talmud Chacham applies nowadays. Aye, the scholars now are not as, as great as they used to be. Also the regular people are not as righteous as they used to be. And the second idea that the Rav brings is what's the diff- definition of an ignoramus, right? We learned the Gemara that it says you should go after the Gabbais and the Rabbis and the presidents of the Shul and the Sadiqim, Gedolei Hador, but stay away. It's disgusting and despicable to stay away from the Amaretz. So the Rabbi brings here from the Bet Yosef that what's the different definition of a Am Ha'aretz? The definition of a Am Ha'aretz is She'enan bekim bidiktukem mitzvot They don't know the minute details. They know that there's a concept of doing mezuzah but they don't know the exact details of the halachot and they're not careful in it. V'afilu enam osim averod la'achis ela leta'avon and, 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 and God forbid they would, they would never do a sin to make God angry, but if they would become very lustful for a certain McDonald's burger, sometimes, you know, it could be that they would let into their Sahara. but something very important that a lot of people don't know is the Amha Aretz, is under the umbrella of orthodoxy, right? He's an observant Jew. He just doesn't care to go learn the details of the Torah. And that is a shameful thing in the Gemara, that you shouldn't go after people like that. And the third thing Ramavadya brings, that really we have to understand, is that there's really three levels. There's the level of people that are very righteous, people that teach Torah to kids, right? Then there's the level of the Am Ha'aretz, but there's a middle level, regular people that they're not necessarily extraordinarily special Jews. They're the average Jewish small, they're all observant. And I would venture to say that there, in this category, there could even be Amha'aretz, which is not talking. This is my personal opinion. I may be wrong, but I think this is very true from the bottom of my heart. There could be two species and categories of an ignorant Jew. In Pirkei Avot it says, Lo Am Haaretz Chasi. Am Haaretz cannot be a pious Jew that goes above and beyond his call of duty. But it's mashma from there, if you look in the Mepharshim, he can be wrought a Sadiq. Because if he has fear of heaven, then he will keep everything that he knows appropriately. And whatever he doesn't know, it's not because he doesn't want to know it, but he doesn't have the time or the patience to go and learn the details. So, I came across very luckily 
a wonderful, wonderful Sefer. It's the Neta Gavriel, one of the great Hasidisha postkim and writers. And he goes to explain this whole halacha. He brings a Sefer called Sefer Hitararuta Teshuvah. The Sefer Hitororta Teshuvah asked a very fundamental question. If you were here for our last week's shiur, this has a direct relationship to that. He asked, how could the Gemara say you should sell everything? Become literally penniless, and the Rambam holds this way, in order, sacrifice everything and anything to marry the daughter of a Torah scholar, right? It's it's very crystal clear. It says, Yimkor kol ma'ashe but the question is, didn't we learn in Gemara Ketubot that what? Hamebazbez al yebazbez yoter michomish. You know what that means, Elliot? It means that there's a law that you should, the rabbis decreed in the city of Usha that you should never give charity more than 20%. So these two laws are contradicting. Here it says give everything to get the hand of the Torah scholar's daughter. But the Gemara says you're not allowed to give more than 20% of your net income to charity. So it's because of this that this, uh, I don't know who the author is, I must confess, but this book, Hitorarita Teshuvah, says that halachically this Gemara is wrong. It's not to be taken literal. This the Gemara says to sell everything is just the exaggeration. Halachically, the maximum you should spend to convince the family of this Torah scholar to give their daughter to you as a bride is what? 20% of your net income. And he explains why, because again, like we mentioned, the Gemara and Ketubot, why is it such a big mitzvah to marry the daughter of a Talmud Chacham? Because through marrying... Marrying into the family of the Torah scholar, you connect yourself to God, which is the sixth commandment of the Torah. And just like for charity, you don't need to give more than 20%, for this mitzvah also, you don't need to give what? More than 20%. But there's a big argument on this. The Nata Gabriel and Rav Moshe Sternbach in his third volume of Shalot Teshuvah Bahanagot, Siman Shin, Sadiq Aleph, they vehemently argue on this. They say this Gemara is to be taken literally. It is such a wonderful thing to marry the Torah scholar that you could even give 50% of your assets, 80% of your assets, make all sacrifices to marry her. Now the Neta Gavriel explains very beautifully, it's exactly... Um, Related to what I talked about last week, the laws of charity. The Nata Gavriel is so beautiful. He says that that you're not allowed to give more than 20% is only to charity. But we learned last week that for supporting Torah, you're allowed to give more than 50, more than 20%. Because we learned in the Midrash that Rabbi Tarfon gave Rabbi Akiva a ton of money. And the uh, Chafetz Chaim and Rabbi Yaakov Hillel told me, the Chafetz Chaim says this is the halacha, the Shita Mekubetzet brings, that for Torah, there's no limit to how much of your assets you could give. That 20% law is only for what? Giving money to poor people. So he says, 
That's the same thing here. By you marrying the daughter of a Talmud Chacham, Elliot, what are you guaranteeing? That your children also become Torah scholars, right? And I also want to bring something because I'm a big fan of history. We have to understand that the average life expectancy in the olden days was what? A lot of people would unfortunately pass away very young. So it was really, it was a matter of life and death, the matter of your whole legacy of your children, you know, gonna stay in the path of Torah or not. So therefore, I just, I, I forgot to mention this last week, but another proof the Chafetz Chaim brings that there's no such thing as a limit of 20% for Torah is, what do you think it is? It's because we know that the two children of Yaakov, Yisachar and Zevulun, made a very interesting agreement that the Shulchan Aruch holds of. And what is that? Zevulun was a great merchant, like Trader Joe's. He was a great trader. He would go, he had boats, and he would go to China like import-export. And he made a deal with his brother, the other son of Yaakov, Jacob, that you devote your entire life to become a professor, an expert in Torah, and I'll give 50% of my net income to you. We'll go 50-50, and you'll give 50% of your heaven, your next afterlife to me, right? So I'm going to be supporting you in this world, and I'm going to get um, a lot of benefits. So you see clearly there, how could Zavulun give more than 20% of his income? He was going against the Torah. The Gemara says that Hillel, Hillel's brother not, but there, there, throughout the history, there was this partnership of what? Yisachar and Zevulun. And people would give 50% of their money to their partner, that instead of them, would 110% be in what? In Torah. And we gave a class about that, that really... Um, earlier this year, that you shouldn't be worried. If you're learning in Kolel, you're not going to sell half of your Olam Haba just because you're getting supported. Because the Orachim says it's like light, like a candle. That person is going to get a lot of reward that's supporting you, like Zevulun, but he's not going to, when you come up in heaven, it's not going to be like they split your thing in, in half. So you don't need to be worried that about And I just want to read for you what Rav Sternbach says. Rav Sternbach also vehemently emphatically argues on the Sefer Hitarota Teshuvah. And he says that you should be aware that it's really, really so beautiful. He says that uh, another idea, he says this mitzvah to be connected to God, is it only once a day? He says, he says it's a constant mitzvah, Right? If, if every second of the day you think about God and you love God and you want to be connected to Him, so He says, uh, He says that that we say you shouldn't spend more than 20% of your assets for a mitzvah. is a mitzvah, you do it and you're gone. But a mitzvah that you're going to be, that you're investing in the whole future of your family for them to be righteous and upstanding and Torah scholars like you is not this thing of 20% and he says that and Rav Sturmbach here says that it wouldn't be he also says a second 
idea. He says, if you're not wealthy, let's say you don't have any money, right? And if you want to marry the daughter of Torah scholars, they say, how are you going to support my daughter? He says it would not be unethical, it wouldn't be a mistake to even go collect tzedakah, to fundraise, to invest in this. Uh, not like the Sefer Hitarot Teshuvah, because he's saying, we have to understand that, especially in today where there's so much assimilation, right? So many of the Jews are going down the drains. This is shouldn't be thought as, and God bless my father's soul, whenever he would give a lot of his net assets to money, he, this is a secret he taught me. He said you shouldn't look at giving charity as just the extra credit or something you have to do. It's an investment. And this is what Rav Sturmbach says. He says, if you get the daughter of a Torah scholar, um, okay, there's no guarantee your children are going to be Torah scholars, but much higher probability, and since it's an investment for your eternity in this world and next world, again, he says that since the mitzvah of connecting yourself to God, which on a practical basis can only be done by uh, marrying into the family of Torah scholars, it's a constant mitzvah, so there's no limit of 20%. The, the Gemara is actually to be taken literal. If for some odd reason you're, you, you, this is what you want to do, go, go spend all your net worth to, to get the hand of the Torah scholar. Now, I forgot to read for you another Shulchan Aruch, which is very, very important, because if we look in the second chapter of the Shulchan Aruch, it says, this part of the class we want to talk about which attributes are wonderful in a woman and should cause you to go after her, and which attributes, which families have red flags that according to the Jewish law you should stay away with. The Gemara is very clear. It says if you see two families that are always bickering, suing each other, fighting against each other, right? They're always machloket. It said this is a bad sign. Because the same way they, they fight with their neighbors, they're in constant vigilant fighting with, they're going to fight with you and get a divorce from you. So it says people that are rebel rousers and always the Gemara Shulchan Aruch says Shehu ba'alat masav meriva not even matzah but masav meriva is that they're problematic people they're always you know in a constant argument with their neighbors and their friends and family you should stay away from such people if that's their habit also a big, big, big red flag is if, because the Gemara in Yevamot says that the Jewish nation has three signs. There's a spiritual DNA by looking at somebody, you could identify him as a Jew. You know how? We have three symbols. We're merciful, we're shameful, and what? By Shanim Rachmanim Gomlech Hasadim. We're kind to one another. We're selfless. We help one another. So the, this is not just some lofty like Musar, it's Allah. If you see a family, if you see people, whether male or female, that they have no shame, that they are very cruel, right? They're, they have no mercy. The guy is like, he's, he's, he's above, the, okay, 
Again, if somebody got into a nasty fight once in his life and was cruel, or somebody once was shameful, that's not what we're saying. That this is part of his nature. He's shameless. He's cruel. He doesn't have mercy. It's a bad sign. This may be bogus Jews. Just like there's fake news, these people could actually be what? Bogus and fake Jews. So the Shulchan Aruch, it's a halacha. You should stay away from it. Another type of person is somebody that everybody calls everybody mamzer. If he calls people bastard and harumzadeh, the Gemara in Kedushin says at the end, kola posel posel. Why is he calling everybody and attacking people verbally, calling everybody a, a bastard, a mamzer? Because he himself is one. Because there's a concept of since you're one, kola posel posel. So again, this is fascinating thing. A lot of people don't know somebody that is always cursing out other people and calling people mamzer, most likely he himself, chas v'shalom is a mamzer. And it says, or anything, if he calls people, oh, you're a, you're a abid, you're a servant. He himself could be from the, not from the Jewish nation, from avadim, evet knani, right? From the, from the uh, lineage of uh, servants. So, those are big, big red flags. Like, so let's review, and we'll end up with a very, very beautiful idea from Rabbi Avigdor Miller. To review, what do we want? Which attributes do we want to go after? Oh, this is very important. So that there's amazing, amazing uh, Jewish scholar, Rabbi Zakai. He brings from the Shalotu Teshuvot Shevet Kaati that. Let's not forget that there is a second element here. And that second element is midotovot, good attributes, right? So just like Eliezer, when he went to find a wife for Yitzchak, he was the messenger of Abraham, what was he looking for? A selfless, kind person. So that's a beautiful thing. If you see that this girl or this man is very kind-hearted, and is selfless, knows what kindness, that's a very noble thing that you should go after. Something else that I forgot to say, Rav Chaim Kanyanevsky, I saw a video, very beautiful video, something else that is a very, very good signal that you should marry into a family is if, look at your future wife's brothers, your brother-in-laws, because we learned this from the Torah, it says, Mo Aharon, Married Elisheva, the coin Gadol married Elisheva, which was who? Elisheva was the sister of Nachshon. So, what does the Torah need to tell us? It says that it's a, it's a, it's a com, incumbent upon anybody that wants to marry into a family that what? They should, um, Look into the brother-in-laws. Why? Because in Farsi we say it, and Rav Chaim Kanyanevsky also said it. Actually, it was cute. They said, what if the girl has two brothers? One of them is a like a bad person, is an ignorant person. One of them is a Talmi Chacham. So Rav Chaim said jokingly that one of your children is going to be, come out, Talmi Chacham, one of them is going to come out. God forbid the other way. But I just tell you, Rav Chaim Kanyanevsky, I don't know if you know this, I was telling this to people, his uncle was the Chazonish, right? His mother was the sister of the Chazonish, and he came out 
pretty good. So since in the Torah we find this idea that people do take after their uncles, so you should be very vigilant to marry, uh, look into that. If her brothers are bad people, uh, you know, there's a high like, uh, likelihood that your children would look, become like that. So to make a final summary, first of all, we hope everybody finds their most special soulmate, the one that's going to make them the most blissful and peaceful life. To review people that we want to stay away f- with from are people that are brazen, people that are selfish, people that are cruel, people that are merciless. The opposite, people that do have a lot of mercy, people that do have a lot of shame. Rav Chaim Kainesi also brings down the people that are quiet, right? Rav Victor Miller also says this. It says very outgoing women, Rav Victor Miller says you should stay away with, because we know what happened to Dina. She was a little bit too outgoing. And the uh, thing I also wanted to mention is that this halacha Rav Sternbach brings very clearly is not only for a man looking for a wife. 